Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. It's a good week. Just a few more days till Christmas. We are in Proverbs 19, looking at verse 21 and 22 this morning. Let's say a prayer and get started. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Open our eyes to see truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, two verses here that they don't really trail on the verses that I did yesterday so much, but that's okay because that's Proverbs, right? They're a bunch of little fortune cookie practical statements. Sometimes he's got a long section that kind of fits together, and quite often he just is spouting out, Solomon's just spouting out these wise sayings. So uh, verse 21 here says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. This is said numerous times in many different ways throughout Scripture. And Solomon even talks about earlier in Proverbs um, about being a person, a wise person is someone who plans ahead, who thinks ahead. And that's a good thing. It's nothing wrong with making plans for the future. But we should always remember when we make plans that ultimately God's purpose will stand. Our, our desires will not always happen, especially if they don't line up with God's desires and his purpose and his will. And you need to always remember that as a Christian. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Um, and the statement is said numerous times that whenever we make plans for something, we should always end it with the thought or the idea, if the Lord wills, right? It doesn't mean you have to say that. But we'll say, you know, Lord willing, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, you know. We'll say things like that because ultimately God's in control. And if he doesn't want it to happen, he'll do something to prevent it. And there's no point in getting upset about it because you, as a Christian, you want his will to be done anyway, right? Because he knows best. He sees things that you don't see. And that's part of trusting him and following him and, and putting him first in your life. And so we always need to remember that. Whatever plans we make, um, always keep in mind that God's will be done. So that's a real simple you know, th- concept here in this verse. It's a good reminder of that. And God's purpose will stand. But let's move on to verse 22. I want to spend a little more time on that one uh, this morning. So verse 22. What is desired in a man is steadfast love. And a poor man is better than a liar. So let's talk about this because there is a lot, a lot packed in this little verse here. And I tell you what, I I feel like a broken record. And I know I probably sound like I'm just so repetitive by saying this all the time. I say it from the pulpit. I say it in Sunday school. I say it in children's messages. I say it here, you know, almost every day. But the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart. And the second greatest commandment is to love others all, every bit of the lessons that we are taught in the Bible are built upon those two commandments. That is why I repeat them constantly, because everything, everything hinges upon those two commandments. The gospel itself is dependent upon those two commandments. And so it's of the utmost importance. And what is most admirable of a man is steadfast love. Is that not what God has shown us through Jesus Christ, right? 
Another way that steadfast love is often translated in Scripture is mercy, right? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, okay? When you show mercy to someone, you're not going to give them the just punishment that they deserve. That's what it means when you show someone mercy. You're not going to give them whatever pain and suffering that, that is due them or you think is due them. So you withhold it. That is mercy, okay? And so steadfast love is the idea that you continually love someone regardless of what they, they've done. They may not deserve your love and affection, but you give it anyway. You don't withhold it from them. So you are being merciful to them, okay? Now, in this particular verse, because Proverbs is written in Hebrew, okay? The Old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament is written in Greek. So Proverbs here written in Hebrew. This word right down here, and I don't really know how to pronounce it. I didn't look it up. Shekht, I think. I think it's how you pronounce it. But this is the Hebrew word that would fit here if we were reading it in Hebrew. The ESV, which is the version I have, has, has translated this to mean steadfast love, which is correct. It's not wrong. But other ways that this is often translated into English is loyalty and loving kindness. So let's talk about that a minute, okay? Because this word kind of contains within itself the idea of steadfast love and mercy, okay? It, it gives us the idea of loyalty. It gives us the idea of loving kindness. Now, if you sit here for a second and you kind of ponder it, you think, well, yeah, okay, this, that makes perfect sense because steadfast love and loyalty and loving kindness, they all, they all kind of connect into one idea. They all fit together, right? Okay, so steadfast love, like I said, means to love no matter what. So if you have steadfast love for another person, you're loving them regardless of what they've done to you. That's loyalty, right? It, isn't that part of loyalty? You're loyal to that person. You're steadfast loving them regardless of what they do. That's a loyal behavior, right? Okay. Well, what about loving kindness? Well, loving kindness invokes this idea of showing love, right? It's more of an action. Loving kindness often gener generates this idea that you are showing, you are giving you are a, a, giving loving kindness behavior towards an individual, right? Okay, so all of this kind of connects, right? Steadfast love, loyalty, and then acting out that steadfast love and that loyalty by showing loving kindness to others. So you see, you, you could really fit either one of these words into here, and it work, and it be correct, and it not be taking the scripture out of context. It wouldn't be. Okay, so all of this generates this one word here, and that's what's different about like Hebrew and Greek. They do a better job than English does in relaying a thought. Okay, um, English language is just kind of a jumbled mess sometimes compared to older ancient languages. So all of these here kind of fit together into this idea. So the idea here is what is really important. What is really important to God and what is really important in the character of another person, not just a man, right? We know this is mankind here, is that 
they are loyal and steadfast, loving, regardless of the situation, and they show it in their actions, okay? Now, God has that for us, does he not? Right? Do we not see God live this out through Jesus Christ in the gospel? Does he not do this perfectly? Even though, listen, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Is that not what it says in Romans? Paul tells us that even though we were deserving of the punishment of our sin, God demonstrates his own love for us by having steadfast love and loyalty to his promises and shows his loving kindness through sending Jesus Christ to die for us. Here's what we got is we got a description of the gospel right here. This is a description of the gospel, okay? We got it right here in verse 22. And Solomon's just kind of hitting the home run with that statement. Like, it's just so much wisdom here. He just says it, and then we see it. The greatest commandment, Jesus displaying it, Jesus living it out. This is what is really desired. This is what's most important. And we, as human beings, are supposed to emulate this as well in our own lives. The church... The purpose of the church, one of the purposes of the church, obviously, ultimately, it's to bring glory to God. It's all about God and focusing upon him. But the second thing is to follow the second greatest commandment, which is to love one another. And our job as a church is to be a sanctuary. A sanctuary means a place of safety, okay? That's what that means. When we say the sanctuary, it's a place of of safety, a place where we can escape all the troubles of the world and come and find peace and comfort and reassurance and hope and all those things, okay? So church is where we're supposed to go so that we can find comfort and peace and we can come and know that no matter what we've done, where we've come from, who we are, whatever's going on, that the other people there are going to love us. They're not going to condemn us. They're going to welcome us. They're going to show mercy. They're going to show loyalty. They're going to enact loving kindness. I can go into that church knowing that people know what I've done, where, where I've been, yet they still welcome me. They still accept me into their family. That's what a church is supposed to be. Now, on that same note, that does not mean that we approve of sin. That doesn't mean that you can live in sin and come into the to the church and say, oh, I'm going to live in this sin and everyone here should just embrace and accept my sin and welcome me into the family as I live in sin. That's not what that means. No, part of the job of a family, part of the job of a church family is to love but also to hold accountable. Okay? For example, let's say you have a family member who is an alcoholic, that, that dangerous alcoholic who, who consumes alcohol and it causes damage and, he's, and that person's abusive in the family. Do we just look past that and just welcome them in even though they, bring, they cause damage and they bring risk to the other family members and they're harming themselves and we just say, oh, we're not going to judge you. You just come on into the family, come to all the family functions and... And it'll be okay. No, you don't do that. What, you, what do you do? Well, you hold them accountable. You don't stop loving them. 
you don't kick them out of the family. You don't ignore them completely and cast them out. No, you hold them accountable. You say, listen, I love you, but you cannot come to this family function. All these kids are here and you get abusive and you might hurt someone. You're going to cause problems. You're going to hurt others. You're going to cause a disruption in the family here. So you need to get yourself straight before you come in and come around. We can't allow you to live in and amongst us with that behavior because it's dangerous. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Now that's not unloving. That is loving because you are holding them accountable and you are also protecting the other people. So we need to keep that in mind. Welcoming and showing steadfast love and being loyal and showing loving kindness does not mean you approve of sinful behavior. Because at that point, you might be loving to that person, but at the same time, you would be rejecting God. You would be breaking the first and greatest commandment. So we always need to keep that in mind. But listen, people who are repentant, they know that they have committed sin, and they know it was wrong, and they want to move away from it. That's all of us. That's, that is the whole church. That is every single person. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we recognize that sin and we don't want to live in it. We want to push it away. We want to fight against it. And so we come together in the body of Christ and we encourage one another to resist the temptation of the devil and flee from him and turn to God and run after him. But we don't approve of sin. We need to always remember that. What is desired is steadfast love. All right, this last line here and I'll finish. A poor man is better than a liar. Essentially what he is saying here, that it's better to have a poor man who is genuinely steadfast, loving, and wise than to have a rich man or to have someone who's extremely wealthy, yet they are dishonest. Okay, That's essentially what this line means here. Obviously, Solomon understands that material wealth is not what matters. What matters most is the character of a person. Not the color of their skin, not the, the origin of their nationality, but the character of their heart. That is what is important. All right, I'm going to stop there. Man, a lot of good stuff here. I want, I've, gone, ugh, I've gone too long. It's a lot of good stuff here. So much packed in these verses. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, your relationship with God is of the utmost importance comes first before anything else. So seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful and blessed day, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.